Welcome everybody back to Black Card Rehab, the show where we go from zero to black one episode at a time. And um, I am joined by my white friend Paige. Hi Paige. Hello. And on a scale of zero to black, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling Jennifer Love Hewitt and Sister Act 2. <laughs> um, so you mean one of the most famous people from this movie? <laughs> I mean I mean the one that's like singing's okay, but I want to do my makeup in class. <laughs> I had totally forgotten that she was in the movie. And then on the rewatch, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't think she's more famous than Lauren Hill, though. Not more famous than Lauren Hill or Whoopi Goldberg, but of all the people that were talented in that movie, who yeah. would have thought? I know, you know, I know. <laughs> Real talk. And on a scale of zero to African-American, how are you feeling today, Crystal? Um, I'm feeling, I'm feeling Lieutenant Souther Ooh, from the okay. first one. <laughs> yeah, ready to ready to knock some Italian mobs heads in. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, honestly, I I think I just I'm I gen I generally feel whoopy in every situation that I'm in. But I like literally I'm I'm at I'm at work I'm at, at my job and I'm just thinking about all the ways I'm like yeah you, I can't help but be me and that is the most frustrating thing to me is when I can't be me and that's like what that's a that's a lot about what the first movie is about that's true and now now that we're bringing up the first movie I'd like to take my answer back and I would like to say <laughs> that I am feeling the mashed potatoes song and Kathy Nugini <laughs> yes, Kathy at, her, <laughs> at her fattest and most soprano uh, yes. I'm here for it um so Today, if you haven't guessed, we are going to talk about the Sister Act movies. Um, and honestly, each one could get their own episode. But I thought, you know, um, I we need something to look forward to in our lives. And, yeah. This and was this the is... exact amount of joy that I needed this week. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to, we're going to reminisce. These are movies that... You know, uh, we we both had seen. Um, uh, apparently, they they did not they did not skip. Uh, I, they were passed down to me um, from my ancestors. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, so we have seen both of these movies. And I, Paige, first, I want you to set the scene for where you were and when you were when you watched it. Maybe first, and then like subsequently, like so- all the other times. My my sister and I would spend a lot of time at my grandmother's house while my parents were either like my dad traveled a lot for work. So he would sometimes be gone and my mom would have like work stuff to do or church meetings to go to or for a while, a long time, my parents sang in choir. So like for choir practice or they were also in a Christian sketch comedy troupe at one point. So like when they would have rehearsal and things like that, a lot of times my sister and I would end up at my grandmother's house and my grandmother worked for Kaiser Permanente and she for some, and I don't know how or why, but she seemed to have some sort of dominion over the VHS tapes that they would play in the lobby Mm -hmm. And so she would like (laughs) bring those home for us. 
uh, which is how I saw a number of strange films. But that's like the most fancy way that anybody's ever described stealing. So here's the thing: like (laughs) as an adult, thinking back, I'm like, I think maybe she stole those tapes. But also, she had like a huge collection of tapes. So I'm like, was she stealing them over time, or Uh was she bringing the tapes in? I don't know. I, as a kid, I didn't ask those questions because no kid would. Uh, maybe I don't. I don't know. I have no you idea. You have a lot of run-ins with grandmas who be stealing in your life. This is true. This is true. Uh, so yeah. So maybe she yeah. stole those tapes. I don't know. But um, okay. my grandmother loved. I mean, still, still loves. She is still with us. Uh, loves musicals, mm-hmm. and um, so like she's how I got to see the movie Grease, and my mother was very upset because oh my god of the adult themes in the film. Because we're talking like I'm like seven, mm-hmm. and she's just like, "Let's watch Grease." Um, <laughs> so my grandmother loved musicals, but my grandmother was also Catholic and mm-hmm. like taught CCD, like whole nine catholic and i did not grow up catholic and it was not necessarily a point of contention as much as like if there was a chance to take my sister and i to mass with her we were going (laughs) like she was wrangling us to go and so i think this movie for her was twofold it's a musical with music that she likes Mm -hmm. but also pro Catholic. Mm-hmm. So I remember her showing us the first one. And I remember my mom not being super stoked about it because the central plot point of the first movie is that Whoopi Goldberg is on the run from her ex-boyfriend, who is a member of the mob, who is Harvey Keitel and shirtless, which makes me very uncomfortable to this day. But like <laughs> that's the whole point of the movie. And my mom is just like it's the mob. Like, why are you showing children a movie about the mob? Uh, my mom was much more a fan of the second one, which uh-huh. is just like kids who have to save the, you know, school. Yeah. Rec center, you know, right, in- right. insert community service here. And right. So- it's, it's reverse orange is the new black. Um. Absolutely. <laughs> and so. I remember watching the first one. My sister and I loved the first one because we loved the music in it. And we love because the nuns are kind of silly, but the music is still good. Mm -hmm. And then the second one came out when I was a kid. So Mm -hmm. like that second movie came out when I was seven or eight. We didn't see it in theaters. But like as soon as it was on VHS, grandma magically had it. And so we would watch it all the time. And as much as my sister and I loved the first one, we loved the second one to the point where we would repeatedly watch it into our teens. And Mm -hmm. I have had multiple copies of the soundtrack and played them until they didn't play anymore. And now you can't get it on iTunes or anything. And it's a fucking nightmare. I have to like order a new disc from Amazon now. And I'm like, where am I even going to play this? I only have like one thing that takes CDs. So yeah, that's, that's our history with the film. Okay. And for me, um, yeah, my grandmother also had these. I believe she bought them legally um, from a store. <laughs> it just goes to show you white, white people be stealing. <laughs> That's what I learned from working at retail. It's always the old white ladies. Oh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, my grandmother had these. I I know I saw the. I I don't know if I saw the first one in the theater, but I'm I know I I for sure saw the second one in the theater. 
um, with my dad. Um, probably just begged him on a night that uh, was my dad's night to have me. Um, that is divorce kid privilege. You you do get to ask and go see almost whatever movie you want. Um, oh man! And uh, yeah, I missed out. <laughs> um, unless I I have told you about uh, about the rescuers down under incident though, right? No, what? I've I, I never told that, you. About I know that movie, but. <sighs> Okay. (laughs) Let let me set the scene for you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So for those of you who don't know, Rescuers Down Under is, um, it's part two. It's a a sequel to The Rescuers, which is a Disney movie about mice who are detectives and they like solve crimes or whatever. They interfere in a case of serious domestic abuse is what they do. (laughs) Yes, yes, it's a little intense, but, um, you know, the stakes were high. Um, (laughs) 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 But um, so they had a second uh, follow up to that movie and obviously starring the same cartoon mice. And I was like, that's for me. I need all of it. And so I asked my dad to take me. And the thing about my dad is my dad is um, very black and that he is constantly late for things. Um, <laughs> he did not pass that down to me, luckily, for uh, me and all of my friends and every job that I've had. So we show up to this movie late and we're at the box office and I'm a kid. So, you know, I'm kind of tuned out to like the adult transaction of the conversation. But like I also at the same time, I'm like something feels wrong right but i don't know what it is and i don't feel empowered enough to speak up right now okay that's a good way of saying not paying attention but also nervous (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) so we get into the theater and i you know there's there's something already playing on the screen the lights are out and i'm assuming slash very much hoping and praying that what we're watching on the screen is the previews. Mm. But this preview goes on and on and on until I think, and and I think the movie has like a really long, the movie we're watching, it was like a really long, what is that called when they show like, like there's like an intro before they show the credit, like the opening Uh, Like a cold open. Yeah. So it was a really long cold open and then like it seemed like forever until they got to the point where they showed across the screen that we were indeed watching Quigley Down Under. Wait, what? Tom Selleck's Quigley Down Under had the nerve to come out around the same time as Rescuers Down Under. I was heated. Okay. <laughs> Do you know we sat through my dad made me sit through the entire movie. He's like, Well, we're already here. <laughs> I I have never hate watched anything with such intensity before or since. I I have a very similar story with my grandfather. Uh <laughs> where uh we wanted to go see Swan Princess and at the same time Little Princess was out. So when he took us to the theater, he was just like, small princess? And they were like, we think you mean little princess. Here are the tickets. And I don't know if you've seen Little Princess, but it is. Yes, I have. 
traumatizing and we were like we were here for the girl to turn into a swan and it's like 60 minutes in and this isn't happening so that's my version of of but it didn't have Tom Selleck in it like that's that's a very very different like yeah you know yeah wow did, yeah, did a, you leave the cartoon. theater <laughs> Did you leave and then go to like a later showing or did no. you just never see Rescuers Down? I eventually saw Rescuers Down Under. Like he made it up to me like I don't know when, but it wasn't that night. I was so mad. <laughs> it was the worst day. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, what was it like seeing Sister Act 2 in theaters? Incredible. I mean, I could have <laughs> flown after that. I mean, I was like, this is who I am. This is this is me. Like, I feel represented and I am meant for this world, this life of dance and song. And <laughs> I am Rita Diva with a tood. That's me. <laughs> um, but uh, so... Uh, yes. So the sister acts, I, I, this is an interesting fact that I learned. I didn't realize that the original one was created originally for Bette Midler. <gasps> really? Did you know that? I yeah. did not. I, I mean, I can see that, but I, oh, I feel like Whoopi does so well. Like I, it wouldn't be the same movie oh, to me without Whoopi. Not at all. Like, and the thing about it is, is, um, so it was written by this guy named, I think, Paul Rudnick. Okay. And he also was a writer on Adam's Family. And then he's like the sole writer of Adam's Family Values and like a couple other things that are well known. Um, but he wrote this as a vehicle for Bette Midler. And after it was decided that Whoopi would play it and they'd like retooled the script all these different times, he decided to um, use a different name. To be credited he, under the name Joseph something or other. Wow. I was going to say, did he Alan Smithy it? Which is like, yeah, um, it sounds like he did, but without that name. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's mm -hmm. surprising. And uh, I think, I think Be Bette Midler would have worked. Like I could see, I could see that version of the movie still being successful. But I think the problem with that, that I think Whoopi solves is that Bette Midler in a habit doesn't look all that different from the other nuns, you know, right. She still looks like a nun and Whoopi throughout this movie never officially fits in. Right. And I think that's necessary for mm -hmm. this movie. I feel like it's, it's an added her, her skin color is an added layer because there's no other black nuns there. Like she stands out. And so it's this idea of like, quote unquote hiding her in plain sight but it's still not hidden you know yeah and I thought it was interesting I mean obviously you know there's a lot on people's minds right now but I was like how interesting that this movie came before so many other like where it was the reverse like white savior, savior movies like how perfect mm -hmm. she literally turns this gaggle of Karens into activists yeah, she she does. And I think it's very telling that the second movie is much different, where we go from her being essentially the only black character for the most part in this movie to in the second one, 
being in a cast of I would say almost 50-50 black and white. Yes. You know, yes. like I I didn't necessarily think of Sister Act or even Sister Act 2 as quote unquote a black movie, but when I look back on it now for the time, yes, as far as casting standards and things are concerned. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, and I I would I would like to say that I mean Whoopi Whoopi has an egot, right? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. She deserves every bit of that egot, truly. Like um the amount of expressiveness that we get from her without eyebrows. Yeah. I mean, what? <laughs> I know. This woman got nary an eyebrow and like communicating like flawless emotions across the screen. Here's something to note. Uh, so throughout the film, she's always pulling at the habit where she's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is uncomfortable. But then if you watch Star Trek The Next Generation, she's got like crazy hats and habits that are way worse. And she's just like, oh, no, I'm cool. I'm an intergalactic creature. What's up? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That didn't bother her either. So interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I watched a lot of Next Generation as a kid. That I did not. So <laughs> I, I'm I'm being a hundred percent real with you, Crystal. You would love it. I mean, I I've watched I've watched some episodes because I think my dad's girlfriend at the time, like you know, she would have it on. But I mean, it missed me the first time around. Yeah, Maybe... it's basically Law and Order in space. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Law and Order. That phrase is struggling right now. I'm so um. sorry. <laughs> It's it's CSI in space. Yes, it's thank you. It's, it's NCIS. Criminal minds in space. It's criminal minds. <laughs> it's whatever you're watching on Acorns in space. Acorns. Um okay. So as like cause did you do what you watched it again recently this week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. and, and I listened to the soundtrack all yesterday <laughs> and had to find it on YouTube because it's not available digitally. I mean, I've watched these movies so many times. So this time around, I kind of was just looking for things that I'm like, what didn't I know? What Mm -hmm. I wish I knew? Um, I mean, mainly like the scene where they ask her to pray. It's just so iconic. Mm -hmm. Like it reminds me of when uh, Kristen Wiig tries to do a toast in Spanish in Bridesmaids. Yes, yes. Where where it's just like, I don't know, I'm making this up as I go along. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and to the Republic for which it for stands. Which it stands. <laughs> I now pronounce this food ready to eat. Uh- <laughs> 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 um, but when she starts making up, like they kind of give like um, just little snippets of the fake life that they've made up for her and she's like kind of playing into it where she's talking about her convent she's and she goes we had this woman named buckwheat bertha and then she gets <laughs> cut off and i'm like but i want to know about buckwheat i need to know about buckwheat bertha <laughs> here here's what kind of st- struck me about rewatching it is that i feel like the first one has a ton of that and has a ton yeah. of like where that's an adult joke you know a kid's not gonna understand that that missed me completely as a kid i feel like the first one is very much a grown-up movie Mm -hmm. and the second one is like okay i know you let your kids watch the first one here's something for them (laughs) because for for as 
like subtly subversive as the first one is, the second mm-hmm. one is just like, forget that. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the closest we're going to get is we said beat that mug, which is a drag term that no one else would have known at the time. <laughs> but right. like, other than that, yeah. It was, they It's they almost don't feel like sequels on a rewatch. Like, That's I know true. they are, and mm-hmm. it's the same characters, but like, on rewatching it as a grown up, I'm like, why would this sequel must have been a movie that was already written and the way to get it made was to like make it sister act that's interesting i mean there's so much magic in the sister act 2 movie that i'm like i I don't know that i've seen or felt that way you know unless it was like a tv show like there's tv shows that i think maybe have captured Mm -hmm. some of that but maybe and not for me not in a movie um yeah I think one of the things that fully makes Sister Act 2 so fucking amazing is something that I found fault with. I was on a, another podcast talking about how I hate the movie Mamma Mia. And oh, okay. my, my biggest <laughs> argument with it is that half the people in it can't sing. And I feel like Sister Act is the absolute opposite. Where mm-hmm. you have literally every single person walking through that door is amazing mm-hmm. is a powerhouse vocally and yeah. also at least a passable actor so mm-hmm. like at no point are you really like the plot is weird the writing is strange but you don't care because everyone yeah. is so good yeah. so so good yeah it's i don't know i think it's more of a musical oh you're talking about the second one yeah, yeah. The first mm-hmm. one's like a crime movie. The second one's a musical. <laughs> the first one is for sure a crime movie. Yeah, um, and I feel like the first one is written and written really well, and like yeah, has so many like interesting moments with all the different characters. Like even just like silent. I mean, I love the the last chase scene. I mean, just joke after joke after joke. It's oh so yeah, good. amazing. It's. It, it really is the the first one is written extremely well it's written for grown-ups for sure mm-hmm. and the music is kind of an afterthought but it's still great mm-hmm. i think that's the like real brilliance of the first one of like this is a crime movie that would stand on its own without the music yeah. completely and yeah. the music just makes it better like mm-hmm. it's the icing on an already pretty good cake and mm-hmm. i feel like the second one is the flip where like it's not written as well, but the music is so good. That's mm-hmm. what drives it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's partially why maybe as a kid, my sister and I really gravitated towards the second one because mm-hmm. we couldn't comprehend all that was going on in the first one. And now rewatching as an adult, I'm like, this first one's great. Like This yeah. is so good. <laughs> <laughs> that, that opening medley of oldies that she's doing Mm-hmm. fantastic it's so Beautiful. wonderful i love it i yeah it's my favorite thing and then you know her her having kind of a breakdown in the middle of it is also wonderful mm-hmm. um i feel like there were there's so many things in and i don't know yet how to articulate them but there's so many things especially in the second one where i'm like why is it life like this like especially right now you know like mm-hmm. Why did we have to wait so long to get to the point where so many people like cared to get to the point where, you know, 
people actually want to do good in the hood, as they say in the movie, you know, Mm -hmm. and get out there and make a change like these these women wanted to and they were kind of, you know, encouraged to be safe um, and take care of themselves and stay inside. Um, And then they were given a chance to do more and to do better. And it like it it changed so much. Yeah, I I mean, something that really reminded me of the story and the themes of that movie recently is that they're offering a masterclass that I really want to take. And it's taught by a man who is essentially a gardener in the hood where Mm -hmm. he takes abandoned pieces of land like, you know, that part of like grass between the sidewalk and your house or the sidewalk in the street and he'll just plant like vegetables and food and stuff there in places that are like food deserts Mm -hmm. and his master class is like anything could be a garden here's a dresser drawer this is gonna be a garden (laughs) and the the quarantined part of me really wants to watch it uh but that that mentality of i'm not going to put up with living in a place where things are bad that mm-hmm. is unacceptable. And the powers that be may have failed me to improve the place where I live to the standards of other places, but mm-hmm. that doesn't remove my responsibility to make things better if I can. Like, yeah. I am here and I'm going to be proactive about changing this place. And he created this kind of like in vacant lots and others, these really cool gardens. And it's one of the things that. I think I appreciate about this movie too, where it's this idea of we can make things beautiful. We can do the work that other people are not willing to do. And it sucks that they're not willing to do it. And we should actively try to change that also, but we have it within our power to make things great. If we try and people are willing to try, you know? And I think it just takes one person to be like, I'm going to try and improve something. And that small amount of change and of effort makes such a huge difference, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think especially when it comes to gentrification, like this is this is what we need. This is the kind of example that we need. You know, like how do you make a place that you're moving into better without destroying it, without pushing Mm -hmm. out the people that have been there? Um, and. And not creating more gated areas that close Mm -hmm. off those people from the resources that they used to have. Right. And, you know, instead of getting rid of the things that are here to bring in new things, build up the things that are here. Mm -hmm. You know, invest in the local businesses around you instead of trying to get a Starbucks to move here. You know? Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting in the first movie, too, though, that, like, you know, there was no... There was obviously a racial element, but they didn't talk about race. And I don't want to say that as like they deserve applause for that. But there is there's a I think there's there's something interesting in how they chose to deal with it visually. Yeah. Um, Like in terms of like who was in the neighborhood and who's coming in off the streets, kind of looking in at what they're doing when they hear certain kinds of music and um you know 
yeah, I, there was what I thought it was interesting too is like they don't have, they don't seem to be playing on a lot of the stereotypes that they could have played on. Um, in particular, like I'm just even the opening moment of the movie where the um, Dolores Whoopi's character as a child. Um, she's being scolded by her teacher and she's like, you know what women like you become? And that could have been, she could have filled that in with so many things mm-hmm. like that blank there. So, but the fact that yep. she became a lounge singer, I'm like, that's not what it, that wouldn't have been my first, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously that's my first. If you're thinking of like easy stereotypes, that's not oh, the yeah. first one, you know? No. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think it's, interesting that and 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 i'm wondering how much of this is left over from it being bet midler and just changes weren't made like where they were just like no we're just casting somebody different which is mildly revolutionary for the time because Um, it makes it not heavy-handed right like you don't have a bunch of white people trying to write characters that are like well it has to be very black you know it's just like no script that as is written Mm -hmm. well and it I mean, it adds layers without saying anything about it. Like, she's in an interracial relationship with a gangster. Right. Yes. <laughs> ne- never mentioned. No one's ever like, hey, how how is that going for you in the 90s? <laughs> like, it just happens. Um, yeah. It's, I remember as a child, the, the scenes between her and Harvey Keitel made me very uncomfortable as a child because i really? didn't like because i didn't like seeing him shirtless and i was like he's too old for her he's a creepy old man i think i felt that way too as a kid as an adult i'm like mm. <laughs> um but like now that i'm think now that i'm looking at it through the lens of like it was meant for bet midler and i'm i'm just like uh, why but the, the, <laughs> now i'm like okay there are things that i feel like are left over <laughs> that mm-hmm. were just yeah. never that's really interesting actually mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is very it would be a very different movie mm-hmm. but also the same uh, yeah <laughs> this is blowing my mind um so okay as uh, okay film film hat page these <laughs> sure, two sure, movies sure. Okay, I need to know your thoughts. Um, I, I mean, the from from a screenwriting per- perspective, I hate and I hate to say this. The first one is worlds above the second one. <laughs> um, I do something I do think is really interesting about the second one is it becomes a trope, um, mm-hmm. for movies that come after it, where anytime somebody is like you know, we got to win the whatever competition to save the community center and get Ray Ray out of prison. Like that's this movie. That is this. I'm sure there were some movies before it that kind of deal with that, but like on the real, as far as like every stereotypical thing happening in the movie to serve mm-hmm. that trope, that is sister act two. Right. Um, it's think, honey. It's yes. whatever. But yes, it's, it's whatever those the B are. plot of most Spike Lee movies. It's mm-hmm. that movie. <laughs> and and now, like thinking about how the first one would have been written for Bette Midler, truly as a crime film that had music mm-hmm. in it. Now I really, really am because I always kind of felt like the second movie 
either was written afterward, either mm-hmm. by Whoopi or with her involvement. Um, and now, especially, I'm like, it either had to be written afterwards or it was an existing movie that they like, you know, stuck the sister act brand on. Um, but oh, man, I I feel like the first one is a classic noir kind of in a way mm-hmm. where it's like it is truly a hard-boiled crime drama she's a protected witness we're dealing with the police we're seeing the mob and all of those things and the second one is really truly a musical like mm-hmm. in all sense of the word the only thing that is different from the second one the only thing that stands in the way of labeling the second one specifically a musical is that all of the music is diegetic, um, which I think we've brought up. A remind me. Yeah. Remind me of that, what that means. Yeah. Uh, so diegetic music is music that everyone in the scenario, in the scene hears non-diegetic mm-hmm. is like the score things that they don't hear. And in a musical, like think about Greece, for example, when Sandy is singing hopelessly devoted to you, she's singing it. No one else can hear it necessarily. Like, yeah, it's kind of this, you know, separated part. It's why that one scene in Five Heartbeats struck us so strangely. Yeah. <laughs> because it's this song in the middle that, like, they kind of hear, but it's not a performance, but there's music in the background, and how is that playing? And this movie doesn't do any of that. Everything uh-huh. we hear is played. I think it's very similar to, uh, I think, School of Rock is probably a very, very... Similar, like now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's that's exactly that same movie too. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, like, just personal page moment. The thing that really grabbed me about the second one is it came out around the time that my sister and I started singing in choirs, and I think that was our, like, it's a choir movie and. When we look at other movies like that, like if you look at like dance movies, like Center Stage is the one that I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. It's it's that movie that's like not that great, but if you're super into the thing that they're doing, it's your movie. You know, like like Save right. the Last Dance. Say, you know, there's a lot of similar tropes in all of those movies, and w- like watching it from the lens of somebody who's involved in what they're doing makes it even more connecting for you i don't know did you feel the same because i know you sang for a while as a kid yeah i mean yeah so i was also in choirs i definitely connected with it on that level i just wanted to do it all i wanted to dance i wanted to sing wanted act and so i'm like here here i am watching all these people get to do exactly what i want to do and um but the but kind of going back to the like some of the overall themes, like I'm really always struck by um, what is her name? Um, the 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 one who doesn't really have a voice in the beginning. And then she like Sister yeah. Mary Roberts. I yeah, believe. Sister, Mary, Sister Roberts. Mary Roberts. I'm always so like. I just identify with with her, with that story, with that moment. And like basically for those of you who haven't seen if you haven't seen it please watch it because it's the best ever um 
but it's just such a great moment uh that she has such a great story arc of not having a voice and but feeling like she has something to give to the world and then kind of having that be shaken out of her actually I of all things like I ended up getting a speaking gig it was like half a speaking gig half a stand-up gig in Idaho um and I (laughs) for the speaking gig I used this this that moment as a metaphor for like kind of how like the trajectory of how it is that I figured out what I wanted to do in life and how that kind of happens in cycles Mm -hmm. um and how you need to basically let let it be shaken out of you um and she kind of places her hand on her stomach and I love I love that moment and of course love the carryover of you know her being the one to convince Lauren Hill's character to come back to the choir you know because knowing just knowing being able to see the signs of somebody who has a gift and who has it stifled for for whatever reason Uh, I think it's also super interesting that that actress is in multiple other movies in the 90s just to sing like to sing and be gone she's also in she's in newsies where she and she has one scene just Uh and i mean seconds long where there's a section in the kind of opening song of newsies where you're seeing all these children like run around and you know sing and whatever and a group of nuns comes out and they're like uh, you know, hey, Jesus loves you. We can take care of you. And they're just like, no, I want to keep delivering papers. And in the midst of the nuns coming out, she comes out and she's a mother looking for her son who it is presumed has become a newsie. But she literally has a sentence and then we never see her again. <laughs> Very rude. Yeah. <laughs> she, I was looking at her IMDb history and um, she later got quite a few roles in fact she as of last year i think she played the role of uh somebody named crystal on the last og so oh really yeah okay um also um the girl maria remember maria the one who sang show tunes yes (laughs) that fool played um the mother in coco the voice of the mother in coco Really? Well, this is something that I feel like a lot of people don't realize or know from the 90s is there's a lot of musicals that come out in the 90s, specifically kind of Disney-fied, you know, kid musicals, if you want to think about it. Like teens, singing, it's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And most of those people either went on to Broadway or to voiceover work. One mm-hmm. of the biggest ones is one of the guys in Newsies is a guy named Aaron Lore, who went on to voice the Goofy movie the singing Mm -hmm. voice of the Goofy movie, Mm -hmm. which also fantastic soundtrack, uh, but then went on to be in Rent on Broadway Mm -hmm. for like ever and then just married Adina Menzel. So like these people are all still around. Oh, he took her from Tay Diggs? He took her from Tay Diggs. What? Uh, (laughs) But like these people are all still around performing. There's just, they're not like in your face famous about it, but they've been doing voiceover work and Broadway work and stuff for years they're just not Lauren Hill who you know is the like I love her you can't not love her (laughs) like she's gonna show up late and give you a lecture about love but you needed it that's exactly what you needed here here's my question I haven't checked Twitter lately I don't know you know what her social media presence is 
But do do we know if Jennifer Love Hewitt is an ally? I don't know. I thought you were going to ask like, me about Kathy Najimy, and I was like, she was in Dumplin' and made me cry really hard. But, oh, I love uh, Kathy Najimy. Let me yeah. let me see if Jennifer Love Hewitt is on Twitter. <laughs> I would assume so. I would, I would hope so. I would fucking hope so. But you know, you never know. Like, I mean, I don't know how she like climbed the way she climbed. You know, because it's like this was she was also in this show on Disney called. Um, what is it called? It was the same. Um, What's her face? Fergie was also in it. Oh, Kids Inc. Yes, she was also in Kids Inc. That was she when is, she used to go by Love, just just Love. She she was also in a Barbie fitness video that my mother bought me as a child. Um, wow. I think we I think I think we ordered it from Avon. Uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt has not been very active on Twitter. Let me mm. check Instagram. Mm-hmm. I think she is a mom. I want to see the tax returns. Oh yeah, she she allying it up. Okay, is she protesting or is she giving money? Is she opening uh, that looks, purse. It looks like she's opening that purse. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jennifer, you are safe for today. <laughs> 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 to be honest, like, I mean, there, there's a part of me that's like. The people that aren't, I'm just like, really? Like, no mm-hmm. one's getting mad at you for this right now. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like come on. Like, are you afraid of backlash? Like, what's coming? Come on. Yeah. It's, yeah. Do you remember City High? Yes. As What would you do if your son was at yes. home crying all alone on the bedroom floor? Because he's hungry. hungry. And the only way, and the only way to feed him is to sleep with a man for a little bit of money. And his dad is gone. It was... um. I'm like the whole story, dude, in one chorus. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. But that guy, and then like the response of like, "Why are you at this party? You've got a kid. Right. I'm blaming a victim." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that guy was from Sister Act Two. What? Wait, which yeah. guy is he? I think he's the guy Hold that on, hit I'm the high note. Right now. Oh, that makes sense. I was. I as I was rewatching it was like what happened to that guy? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. Because that dude had pipes. I know. Uh, yeah, that is him. Yeah, that is the guy that hit the high note, mm-hmm. <laughs> and a guy that looks like Winston Duke, but isn't Winston Duke? <laughs> mm, yum, yeah, yum, that's yum. definitely the guy that hit the high note. And then, oh, whatever happened to City High? Well, let's yeah. find out. <laughs> the dude. Okay. The pair were eventually joined by Ryan Toby, a.k.a. the dude from Sister Act 2. <laughs> and the city how you know and love was, was born. But what happened after? Third single, largely forgotten. I know. After they broke. Oh, whoa. Okay. 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 So, according to this article, soulinstereo.com, when City High formed, the girl, Claudette, and the other member, his last name was Pardlo, but who was his, what was his first name? High school sweetheart, Robbie Pardlo. They were a duo. And then they were joined by Ryan Toby from Sister Act 2. And the group broke up when Pardlo and Claudette broke up because she started dating Ryan Toby from Sister Act 2. <gasps> I'm sorry. They could have no doubted that shit. I mean, for sure. <laughs> if no doubt can survive it. 
and make music know. off of it. What? So they got married. <gasps> uh, they divorced in 2007. <gasps> she tried to have a solo career. No. Um, and she has actually been like background and studio singing for stuff in addition to her solo career, which didn't really go anywhere. Her ex became an alcoholic, but was then featured on A&E's Intervention in 2010. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's also a theory in here that they think Ryan Toby wrote his own Wikipedia page. <laughs> Just because it's very detailed. But that I had no idea that was him. I... I mean, I'm glad to to see that other people besides Lauren Hill had some success afterwards. Yeah, had something. What are your favorite moments in in each? Um, I so I do also love when Sister Mary Robert finds her voice. I love when they go out on the town and Kathy M- Najimi does the mashed potato. Yes. The, Ooh, can they crave it for mine? Um, <laughs> amazing. I also love all the scenes where they have to try and rein her in from singing in the rafters. Yes. Um, I love that first performance that they have for like the services on, I guess it would be like a Saturday or a Sunday uh, when people walk in. Yeah. I, lo- I cry this, every like, time. Every time I'm just like, and I sing every part. You sing every part. Absolutely. Yes. I, a couple years ago, tracked down the version of I will follow him that Uh they use Uh because it's gorgeous. Um, In Sister Act 2, Oh, Happy Day is always amazing. Mm -hmm. But probably my favorite is when Lauren Hill and... um, I know the actress's name was Tanya. I don't remember her character's name. Oh, are the singing duet. together the duet. <sighs> which, if you have the soundtrack, they have the full yeah. duet. Oh, yeah. I listened Not to that. just it's what so they good. saw in the film. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So good. I love that. Um, I obviously love the end where they're like, take off your robes, which yes. as someone who has had to like wear choir garb usually you don't have other clothes like you've been in those all day (laughs) so the fact that they like whip them off and they're all of a sudden like a like a fancy macy's catalog you know just in the middle of it um so many platform sneakers uh i also love the old folks home Mm -hmm. where it's and just the it was cool for what it was but it wasn't all that that. Yes. I didn't know that was a real song until That's so many years later. <laughs> like, I saw it in the movie and my mom was just like, why this song? I don't know. And then, like, as I grew up later, I, like, heard the real song and I was just like, what? Because I was like, this is clearly from the 70s. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Do- oh, Sister Act covered it. Hilarious. Okay. okay, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I, so many times in dance performances, like in college, especially if it was like where I was choreographing, I would go in the wings before the dancers start. And I was like, your, your, your teacher says, take off your robes. I, I, I don't know. Just, <laughs> I don't know. Just, she says, take I, off your robes. She just says, take off your robes. <laughs> I would do it every year. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
And also, I recently pulled a uh, a prank that is like very similar to the first prank that they pull on her, um, where they put glue in her chair. So yes. at work, one of the people like, okay, so my job that I have right now is one part phones, two part Seven Eleven. Um, yeah, so we're like mostly like stocking snacks and drinks all day for people. I thought you were making runs to 7-Eleven. No. I was like, or she's just no. playing that Beyonce song no. all day. No, I mean, God, if we if we were another uh, ethnicity, it would be perfect. Um, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, so we so one of the, our coworkers came and was complaining about how there's only hot Doritos and there's not regular Doritos. I mean, you know, just real real trials that we're going through at my workplace. And we were like trying to tell him we do have regular Doritos. It's just like probably somebody ate them. He brings out the basket from the back and then like dramatically is taking out every bag one by one to prove to us that there are only hot Doritos. And I start filming it. I'm like, the award goes to. <laughs> so quite naturally after that i found every bag of doritos that i could find in the building and put them in his chair and <laughs> so he crushed all of them the second he sat yeah, down he didn't crush them but like he he took forever to go back to his office like he would kind of like go back for a second but wouldn't see them and so we kept like leaning in like is it gonna be now is it gonna be now and like it just he kept disappointing us and um and then when he finally saw it i fell on the ground it was so <laughs> satisfying <laughs> Oh my god! And now I want to start like the next time I get to host a comedy show, I want to yeah. tell people to take their absolutely. Own. <laughs> Please do. Please do. They'll hand, they'll hand me some three by five card with their credits, and I'll just be like, "Take off your robes." <laughs> have you ever Have you ever been in a choir competition? Yes, once. Did it disappoint you that it wasn't as cool? <laughs> The Sister Act movie made it look. Uh, I was in one before the Sister Act movie. Okay, so yeah, so it didn't happen afterwards. Yeah, I know. It, yeah, that would have been a letdown. <laughs> if oh man, well yeah. So I had only ever seen it in Sister Act, and then I got old enough to actually be in a a competition choir mm -hmm. at school, and I was like kind of hyped up because I'm like. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be some big, huge stage. And it's not. It's just a bunch of choirs sitting around all day having to listen to each other. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you go up and sing. <laughs> yeah. Real downer. That's too bad. I know. Uh, and no one was ever like, take off your robes. Right. We said wear these gold lame dresses. <laughs> You didn't have you didn't have uh, three white men chasing you guys down to get you to stop. <laughs> no, Mister Crisp. <laughs> that, that is something my sister and I stay say to each other to this day. Yes. Just like anything, Mister Crisp. Uh, let's see. Was there any other favorite? Moment? I mean, I love when she she calls him your royal pappiness. <gasps> oh my god! Yes, I yeah. forgot about that. Yes, yeah, um, happiness. Well, let's give our review of this movie. I mean, like it's a big reveal, but what do you <laughs> out, out of five hair picks? What do you rate this movie? Ten, Ten out of five hair picks. Uh, no, this is it's five out of five hair picks for sure. Um, it like I I feel like there's no reason not to watch these movies. Like they are they are great, even even in the parts where they are maybe you know could be better it's still great like 
if this came out today in theaters, I think people would still love it. You know, it's so fun. The music is so good. iTunes, fucking please release the music <laughs> digitally so I can have it in my car. Um, I, I love it. I love yeah. these movies. I will gladly and willingly show these to my children someday. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I give it. I give both of these movies five out of five hair picks. Um, I the one the question that I was thinking of is, do these movies feel black? And I think in the way that you know there are black people that are growing up that want to be musical and they want to be on you know, black like lady black lady sketch show or SNL, like doing all of the things where like you're dancing, you're singing, you're you're in Hamilton, you know, like this is this is where a lot of that started for those people that we see that are in musicals now is like is a movie like this. And I think mm-hmm. making all of the arts feel tangible and accessible to um to people of color is and not just like being like you know just being a good singer as the quote unquote the way the way out but being genuinely talented you know um i i really love this i think it deserves it is it deserves more credit even in the black community i i think i think the second one is very black like specifically so and it's not it's something that was lost on me as a child but like as an adult i'm like no this is this movie black as hell and i'm here for it um and i think it really presents this message of arts saving a community which i love like investing in creativity and investing in the people and the communities around mm-hmm. you bring about yeah. good things and yeah. I love that. Whoopi Goldberg, Jessica Alba, just doing the Lord's work <laughs> in their respective movies. <laughs> I've never been able to get through that movie. <laughs> I loved Honey. I also saw it in the theater. <laughs> I remember when it came out um, and a bunch of people saw it in the theater. And I, for some reason, didn't. I think I was very much in like a Star Wars horror cocoon Got at it. the time. That's yeah. Sounds terrifying. But um <laughs> Adam Driver was there and there was so much blood. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I think that's good for this episode. Um thank you guys for listening. Um yeah, and thank you for all the new listeners, everybody who's been checking it out, and we will be black next time. <laughs>